Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today, my guest is Richard Spires. Richard's worked in the technology industry for more than 35 years in government and private sector executive positions, and also volunteered in IT associations where he and I met. Richard, welcome to the show. Lou, thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. I look forward to our conversation. Why don't you start with a short bio about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I am a technologist at heart, a couple engineering degrees, came out of school and uh, went into the private sector first in an IT consulting organization. We did work uh, mainly for the U.S. federal government, but also for some private sector firms. And, you know, I ended up spending 16 years there and, mm-hmm. and rose to those ranks, became a senior vice president, uh, but then had an opportunity to, to uh, join a firm as the um, the chief operating officer of a, of a software product company, of all things, mm-hmm. doing data analytics software in the financial services sector. But what my real I think, you know, claim to fame, so to speak, is when I was asked to go into the U.S. federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, first at the IRS, I, I went in to run what was called their business systems modernization program, a multi-billion dollar IT modernization program. And then I became their chief information officer uh, for a few years there at the IRS. Mm-hmm. I stepped out of stepped out of government, and then I was asked to come back in, uh, become the CIO at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, uh, where I served for about four years. Then I stepped out of government again in 2013, and since then I've done a number of things. I was the CEO of a, of a learning company mm-hmm. called uh, Learning Tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, and do some consulting now and, and sit on a, on a few boards and, and write, write books. Write, write, write books. That's right. I do write the books, Lou. So. Which, which I want to start with. And I want to start with the book you wrote last year, Success in the Technology Field, A Guide for Advancing Your Career. So I actually read it. I, I reviewed it. I liked it a lot. And I'm going to give it to one of my daughter's. One's in the technology field, one's in a science and science field, but one's in the technology field, and I'm going to give it to her. So you cover a lot in that book from, in a, from early in a young professional's career to later in a career, mm-hmm. and you cover a lot of aspects of career. It's quite comprehensive. What role would you say, what would be the place of be, the ability to get people on the same page these days in a technology career? Yeah, yeah, Lou. Let me just start out by saying that point about getting people on the same page is so critically important in any field. Mm-hmm. And I know we'll, we'll dive into some particulars here, but but back to the book, and, and thank you for having read it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. I talk about 12 traits mm-hmm. um, in the book. Uh, and as you say, it it's really covers your whole career from start to finish. But there are two in particular where I really feel this idea of getting on the same page comes to the fore. So one of the traits I talk about in the technology field, if you want to be successful in technology, things are delivered in the technology field through projects. And your ability to to be a good project team member, and then your ability to manage projects effectively, whether they're small or or very, very large, is really critical to many people Mm -hmm. being successful in technology. Mm -hmm. And your, your point is well taken this this idea of being on the same page most projects i have seen that fail do they don't have it's not like they're trying to do things that are technology impossible or something. Mm-hmm. right I mean, they're a real stretch the technology is there but 
the ability to garner a team and get them all pointed in the right direction, if you will, on the same page. Right. Another term I like to talk about is, are we aligned? Are right. we aligned on where we're headed? Right. Um, is so critical to project and program management. And it's especially, then the larger and more complex, the more critical it becomes. So if you've got technologists working on a project and you've got business analysts, let's say, working on a project yeah. that represent the business side, yeah. and you can't get all on the same page, uh, you're going to have failure. I've just seen it time and time and time again. So I'd say the one, the one trait around project management uh, is, is very, very critical. And then I would say the second one, I talk, uh, another trait I talk about is leadership. Now, right. leadership comes in many forms, right? You can, you can be a leader of, of uh, you know, even managing people. Uh, you can lead right. through thought leadership and examples you set and the mentorships you give to others. But if you're a leader of people, a lot of it is, is making sure you're generally headed in the same direction, which is back to the, the very point you made when you started this about getting on the same page. And, and so I think your point about it being so critical and you even having a podcast around this topic mm -hmm. is, is very, very insightful of you, one. And, and two, it, it does cross, as I say, many disciplines, mm -hmm. in particular in the technology field, delivering projects well and leading people are the two areas that I would think that this most pertains. There's some important points in there. Let's unpack a little bit. But first, tell me what you mean when you say technologist. And you've defined, well, you, you identified yourself that way. You said, I am a technologist. I, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I, and in, in the book, I kind of describe a, a few different types of technologists. And, you know, a technologist isn't somebody that's got a PhD necessarily in physics or, or something like that. Um, it can be. I right, mean, you right. can have technologists that are very, very deep academically and, right. and uh, theoretically. But I talk about technologists that are like myself that tended to apply technology to business problems. That's okay. been kind of my, okay. my uh, career path. Uh, and by the way, I even talk about being you know, success in the technology field. You know, I, I even talk about salespeople. Who are the best technology-related salespeople I know that, that really know yeah, how to sell technology I remember that. products? Yeah. They, they, they get to understand their customers right. and their customers' issues well right, right. and how it is that my product or my service can best align and address your challenge or right. your, your, as a customer. Right. That, that, that is another, if you will, that sales role is, is another technology yeah. role. In okay. My view. okay. Well, and then, and that, the reason I asked is because you talked about aligning, being aligned on where we're headed. So I think that that, that take, I took that as a definition of getting mm -hmm. on the same page of operating definition. And what I see is, uh, different parties involved in that effort, they come from different worlds. They've got different, perhaps, roles and responsibilities, different objectives, maybe even different masters they're serving, right? Correct. And the leader, like you said, could be the CIO, CEO, doesn't have to be a chief, could be the project, um, the, the PM, the project manager. The challenge is that somehow, and I want to, add, I want to talk about how, but somehow they help people bring those worlds together, right? The different worlds that people live in and the different things that they see and bring, yes. and bring them together in a way that something shared or mutual has to come from that. Otherwise, people would remain on their own pages. Well, you, you brought up an excellent point, which is 
in many instances, um, particularly in technology related endeavors, projects, programs, whatever it may be, you mm -hmm. call it, you, you've got a diversity of backgrounds of people, and as you say. So how do you get them on the same page? Right. Uh, and so this is multi-layered. Let's take a large program, and I've run a number of them. At, at working level, so much of it is about the right kinds of communications and, and meeting people where they're at, right. so to speak, um, you know, educating people effectively. I, I kind of view that as a big part of a project manager's role is to make sure that everybody understands what is what our objectives are right. and, and the role that everybody's playing right. to meet those objectives and how how are we going to do that I right. mean, at, a, at, a, at a pretty good level of detail actually yeah. so that everybody feels part of the team and that they can understand that and and that's a con it isn't a wall and done thing it's not like you can no, off you have right. a two-hour kickoff and, and you're good. You educate everybody, and <laughs> here's a plan, and, and then you leave it alone. No. You know, as you know, projects constantly are changing. Uh, they're morphing. You're learning things. And so it's a constant education and communications endeavor. And, and so I think that's how, on a project team basis, uh, that I've seen that being successful. But let's look at the other aspect of this is so important, which is the what I call the stakeholder um, basis. Mm -hmm. So who are the stakeholders of a project or a program? Let's talk about that. If you've got a, a project to improve a business process for, let's say, an, an organization, could be a project, could be a private sector company, could be a government agency, really doesn't matter what right. the organization is. The stakeholder, I mean, who owns that business process, right? Who are, Who's responsible for that or who's, who's the benefactor if we can improve that business process? Right. Those are stakeholders. Uh, likewise, in government, it even gets more complex. You, you've got different audits, auditors. You've got different parts of the agency you might deal with that are also stakeholders. And so how do you get them yeah. all aligned or on the same page, as you say? And, and that gets into what I talk about a lot, program governance, which is a model that I, I really, really worked on, particularly at the IRS and, and DHS, to, to more effectively, as you say, get everybody on the same page so that we could make better decisions. Because the, <laughs> too often, Lou, I'd be, I, you know, it'd be funny. I mean, it would be sad in a way, but funny. It's you, funny you now. Actually, you'd actually, no, you'd actually have uh, very senior executives, both of whom were stakeholders in the program, and who saw it very differently. Yeah. You know, they sure. had different views sure. of what the outcome should be. They had different views about what would be the best path to get to success. I mean, that's a that's a recipe for disaster right. on a large program. Right. Um, and, you know, and some of these programs were, you know, as I said, I, I ran a multi-billion dollar program. So this is this was big money we're talking about. And multi-year, they go on. Oh, oh, absolutely. So so if you're off you by get, a few degrees at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really gets bad. And, and so how do you get everybody on the same page in that model? And I, I'm just a huge believer in a in a governance model that, as I say, brings the right people together at the right time uh, with the right information. I mean, if you can if you can do that on a on a regular basis, it's it's a way to drive success. What um, kinds of things? And, sure, that makes sense, especially of level of for levels of management, maybe above the project team. That's what I'm talking about right. with governance. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things would you have on? 
your agendas for those conversations. What could you forecast or predict could go right or go wrong and things you knew you needed to keep in front of people? How did you manage the governments in is sort of a, some of the mechanics of it? Sure. We would leverage the project team members themselves or the program mm-hmm. team to, to provide that right information. So it was, it was, let's start with basics. You have to understand where you're at in, in a good level of detail exactly where we're at on the delivery of a program. So you need a good plan to start with. That's a schedule. That's all of the requirements you're going to be delivering, when you're going to be delivering. And this doesn't matter whether you're, you're working in a traditional waterfall with your agile. These are just basic good management concepts that you, you need to have these things. Right. And so once you have that plan, then first, I mean, having this governance quote body, you know, all these stakeholders, uh, understand that plan, buy into that plan, approve that plan before you get started is really key. So once you've got that, but let's talk about now you're in flight, right? The program's mm-hmm. underway mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, things will happen. Okay. There'll be new requirements that come in mm-hmm. that, you know, that you couldn't afford foreseen before. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what, that's what change, you know, you always talk about change and dealing with change. You're going to have that happen. That's a, that's a, that's a given nothing's going to be perfect in your plan. So right. you, know, it, you might you might think it's perfect when you start, <laughs> but very, very soon, something's not going to reality. be reality. <laughs> reality hits, and you got to start dealing with that reality. And and this is where the governance becomes so critical. So yeah. let, let's just take a real-world kind of situation. We've got a, um, a new important requirement from the business that's come in. Let's, let's say it's a private sector company, and you know, there's a new market that's emerging that we need to address. These these generated new requirements in our program. The, at the same time, uh, we're struggling with with um, some of our testing or whatever it may be. On I'm, I'm, I'm an IT guy, right? So mm-hmm. I'm about delivering systems, but it applies to any kind of program mm-hmm. we're talking about. So we've got we want to try to deliver more, yet we're running into issues on on, on delivery itself. So this is a perfect yeah. kind of example to bring in front of this board to hear all views. So let, let's take you know, yeah. from the business side, you know, just how important it is that we get to this market? I mean, is this the most critical thing? Right. Would you be willing to forego other requirements right now that were in our plan, right. as an example, in order to deliver this? Right. Those are business kinds of questions. Right. Now, that's got to be tempered by you know the technology side or the, the or the program side saying hey we're struggling a bit with delivery you know here's what we can do or believe we can do where we're at and so you got to have the reality i mean this is this is very important so that everybody understands the challenges so that when you make these kinds of decisions everybody gets up from the table and they all have the same understanding of the facts and where what's what are we going to do about it whatever whatever the challenges yeah. are yeah that that is so meaningful Lou to a program I mean I, I just can't overstate how important it is to have that at a senior level and as I said the more complex the larger the yeah. program the more important it becomes so yeah. you don't have somebody walking out of that room saying well those technology guys don't know what they're doing or they're not headed us you know they're not taking us in the right direction no, yeah. I was at the table. So, I mean, I'm part of this and I, I'm part of the team. And that's back to your point, being on the same page. You know, if, for, you know we, we may not like what the decision we had to make, but it was the best decision given the facts in front of us at that time. 
there's and it's a continuous conversation or it, it 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 works best if it's a continuous conversation with those stakeholders you know i'm we've talked about this i've been reimagining and rebranding of my own consulting practice where i'm going to take something is about conversation and it's relevant to what you just said i've become very interested in understanding four things richard what people see in a situation what they make of it mm-hmm. what they would do about it and why they would do that thing and if i'm talking to you i'm talking to Personal relationship doesn't matter. What I'd like to see if I can do is, can I understand what you understand the way you understand it? Even if I, if I might or might not agree, we can. that's separate. Mm-hmm. But do I have a picture clear in my mind that looks like the one you have in your mind as much as we can do that? Do I understand what you understand the way you understand it? If I do, it gets me out of my head. We, we can have conversations about different things than I might have thought of. You might see something I didn't see. Mm-hmm. You might have yes. sized it up in a way I didn't. I didn't size, especially when we have different backgrounds. Yes. If you come from finance, if you come from HR, if you come from yep. technology, you come from the customer side. You've got. We want people to have different things they bring to the conversation. So it seems to me that in the govern in in the governance process, starting with the having data facts about where we are, mm-hmm. what's emerged, what are we what are we finding as we work. The kind of trade-off conversation you mentioned, new requirements come up or difficulty in some area or key personnel leaves. Mm-hmm. All these things happen. All, right, all these things all happen. All these things yeah. happen. And then you have to have a conversation about what we do now. Mm-hmm. It's really important to know, and in your position you would, would have wanted to know, all these folks I'm talking to have that kind of shared understanding. We we can come at something from different perspectives and backgrounds and responsibilities, but we are sharing something in this that substantially that we see the same way, we size up the same way, we would act on towards certain ends. And if not, you could talk about it and get aligned. There's that that's what there's that word back that comes back in my mind, get aligned. But if you're not on the same page about those kinds of things, you're not aligned, how do you make those trade off decisions or how do you stop a part of a project and re reassess? Right. How do you, that, then, then governance becomes challenging, maybe not even possible. Maybe impossible. Well, let me pick up on a, on your theme there. Cause I think you've brought up some excellent points. So you're right. People come from very different backgrounds and many times it's difficult, right? If they're very different than you to understand their process for thinking through a pro- right. an issue how they arrive decisions. But what I have found, and it's not perfect, but if you can do a couple things, one, you got to make the time. Both parties do. If we're talking about just two trying to understand each other, right. To get to know each other and to get it into one. And that's one of the reasons I like a governance model where you're regularly meeting. Okay. It's, it's like if when I set up a program governance model on a major program, I want them meeting at least every month and sometimes more often than that because they've got to know the program real well and they've got to know each, each other. other. Right. Right. And, and, and that takes some time. And part of that process, and we haven't said the word yet, but I'll introduce it, is you want to build a, a trusted environment. And I say it that way for a reason, environment. Right. You obviously want to have individual trust between everybody, but you, you want an environment where people really are free or feel free to open up 
and speak what they really feel. Right. Uh, right. Really, you know, and if they like right. and, and have the trust that says, hey, if yeah. I don't understand, I can admit that and let's talk through it so I can. Or I'm not. I mean, politics, like little P politics, always comes into play. But trying to come up with an environment where if we're all motivated to make this program successful, then let's let's put a lot of that aside and let's get to the what we all consider to be ground truth so we can deal with the issues and deal with them collectively. And as you say, you listen so we can let the best ideas come out from this diverse group. And and. Uh, it's amazing sometimes what mm-hmm. people will come up with mm-hmm. in that kind of model. And I, and you can see it, you can see it both ways. I mean, I've been, it's amazing to me that sometimes when you get in this right kind of trusted environment, you feel it. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. you just feel it in your gut. Yeah. You know, every, You're you know right. everybody's open. We're having a great dialogue. You know, we feel like we're really moving the ball forward. Yeah. And you know what? One person can kill that. You know, that's the, that's the downside is, if you get one person who wants to sabotage that kind of thing, they can do it pretty effectively. That's the that's what makes this difficult. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta you gotta really work on this building this trusted environment. But if you can get it going well, it's hard to keep because change always happens. And as you say, new people come on and people leave and the like. But you know, if you can build this trusted environment, I have seen more good come out of those kinds of relationships as a as a governance model than just about anything else I've seen in business. I think everybody, every, I think we all have an experience and can tell a story, whether it came from sports we played or the work environment, apart from an individual, apart from a two person relationship, apart from that, Mm -hmm. but there's a group involved Mm -hmm. where you you feel that juice that you talked about, you feel that vibe Mm -hmm. and it's very palpable. It's very memorable. Yes, it is. And we would wish to have that again, you know, um, mm-hmm. to work that way, that, that esprit de corps amongst that team. And what something came to mind when you were saying about the trust and opening up. In that case, there's an approach motivation. People are motivated to lean in, to be in, mm-hmm. to approach, to be to each other, connect. As opposed to the avoidance motivation when people back up, they mm-hmm. guard, they yes. safeguard. They hedge, and maybe not game playing. That's that's possible. But maybe legitimately protecting something they think could be at stake if they opened up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that trusted environment. Without it, uh, you're probably lucky if a project goes off, completes as, as everybody had hoped. Because there's too many things in that. Whether it's the project team with that trusted environment, or a more senior executive level. Mm-hmm. There's yes. too much counting on that, that openness. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And as a project manager, you know, when I, when I teach, uh, do teach some program and project management, I talk about these things and to your point, I, I kind of look at building a trusted uh, team at the project team level, those that are actually on the project team. And then to what we've been talking about, the governance above that, you know, who are the stakeholders that, you know, have to be, should be part of key decisions that affect that project going forward. So the project, the project manager or the program manager becomes a, in my mind, a critical person on both of those fronts. 
and it, it's not easy. And no, it's not. And it's a constant, I'm going to say, it constantly has to be worked. It, it does. I'm going to come back to the, the, the book on that with, especially someone younger in their career, but I'm asking this question first because it came to my mind with what you just said. This is a tough one. There could be 10 people on your governance team. There could be many on a project team. They've got business objectives they're responsible for. They've got something personal at stake too. I don't mean that in any bad way. We just, we have careers. We've got, you know, things we care about. How do you, how have you seen people align the personal and the business to keep them synced up for people so that they stay engaged and they don't sabotage? Because that's one way that people can sabotage is pull out because they run a personal agenda. But how have you, how, how have you seen that dynamic work out in groups that worked well? Yeah, it's, but let me almost take the opposite case. One thing I've learned is if you've got a saboteur, someone that really, and you, you try, I mean, you yeah. try and try to either at a project team level or at a governance level, as we've been discussing, and they just will not, you know that they're never going to get there. And so, and as I said, one person can ruin, to me, ruin the trust across the team. You know, I've, I've, I'm now a real believer that person needs to get out of the way, so to speak. I mean, you have to work through the program manager, for instance, project manager. Mm -hmm. Somehow we got to get that person out because otherwise your chances for success really go down. They plummet. So, I mean, I, I almost like this is maybe a negative way of looking at this, but because most, you know, what I have found, um, and you said it so well with like esprit de corps, most people, when you get in that trusted environment and you've got a trusted team, it's like, this is really good. I mean, this is like, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Really good stuff. I really want more of this. I want to be part of this team. I want to, you know, I want to do my share and, mm. and yeah. look at the greater good and all these things. And, it, and so once you can get that going, it can really propel you as a group, but you've got to make sure that you can get there. And, and that's why I say there's so there can be obstacles, you know, mm -hmm. and there are always people that you're getting there. <laughs> and, and so this is where and I, I don't know, maybe I've just learned through failure of, of trying to do this. I, I will work with someone for a while, but if, if they show me that they are just not willing to, to help build that trusted environment, then. I'm looking to figure out how it's they, they, they can be replaced or right. you know, moved elsewhere because it's just not, people just don't change. I mean, you know, that's the, they, they're just not for whatever reason, you know, it's it could be ego. It could be that they, they, they have a real um, misgiving for another person on the team. Right. You know, it's, yeah, you know, there's so many different factors here, right. but if they can't get over that um, and pretty quickly, then it's time to to recast this and if you're not in a position to do that then you and as you said you can't always fix these things right um but but it i come back to it 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 comes all the way back to your the, the beginning of this alignment getting people on the same page if you have someone that's going to fight you in doing that then you've got to figure out a way to get them off the team completely so you can't get everybody on the same page so let's step back from guys at our age in our career to younger. Mm -hmm. my, my daughters are like 28 and 31. And I think about them a lot. Supervisory positions, first level team lead supervisor yep. positions. 
Yes. And those are some of the toughest when you just started. So, so, so you, you see the path they're on to get to the kinds of things that we're talking about. What kinds of things should they be thinking about and learning at that stage of a career mm-hmm. to acquire this capability over time that we're talking so about? I, I, you know, I talk about it in the book on the leadership side. And there, you, you really should, and, and I didn't do it early enough, and I regret it, and I learned. But you know, there, there are courses on leadership. And, and not just like, you know, learn how to lead, like here are the five different leadership styles or something, although that's important. And I talk about that a bit in the book, but, you know, leadership courses where you really get some introspection mm-hmm. about who you are and right. the type of leader you should be and what's most effective with a leadership style that fits you, because it's all about human relationships. And, and so and I, I wish I knew that earlier in my career. So when people ask me about moving into managerial positions, and, and I discuss in the book, it's so hard when you have your first managerial position because you're young, typically, not all, but most are relatively young. And so you're, mm-hmm. you don't have the maturity necessarily. You don't have the experience leading others. And then mm-hmm. a lot of times you're leading people that are young. <laughs> and, and of course, they've got their own immaturity. So, you know, it's a kind of a double whammy. And the worst so situation is if you were one of them and came out of the team. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard, too. And so I, I just believe the more you can take some courses that help you understand yourself and that, un- and that help you understand leadership styles and what best suits you. We will will do you well, will do you very well, both in the near term and certainly as you grow in leadership. I think it's a great so answer. That, that's that's my that's my advice. I think it's a great answer because when you're young, you might think learning about leadership is like learning about technology or models and methods for being a business analyst or some role, right? Some functional knowledge, and it is. There's things to learn about what it means to be a leader, but so much of what it means has to do with oneself. That's correct. For a good leader, yeah. you can yeah. have a title. If you're re- like you said, at the very beginning, if you're a leader of people, mm-hmm. yes, you will not be a great leader of people. If you're not really, if you can't face up with yourself, if you're not squared up with yourself and right. that kind of, right. intro- that kind of introspection right. probably goes all throughout your career. It does. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's not like, I always get it right now. Nope. But I'm I'm much I'm a much better leader than I was, you know, certainly thirty years ago and, and even twenty or ten years ago because I've you know continued to see things, understand myself better. I, and and I think that can as you say, translate into better leadership of others. Let's 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 shift gears here a bit. What happens when you can't get on the same page at some moment in time. Maybe you do, but what happens at that moment when we're not on the same page? And then I want to ask you about the book you're writing now. So you can sort of pick up where you want and we'll we'll follow your lead. So you want to talk about when you can't get on the same page with someone. What do you what have and, you done? Then you can't or not, just, or not even someone you maybe can't just jettison them like I might <laughs> was, right? <laughs> well let's let's say this. Let's say you're yeah. looking at the governance team. And you believe it's possible to get those folks on the same page about something that's come up, but they're not. What do you? What are the techniques you've used? What do you tr- ask? Sure. What do you say? How do you work so, that conversation? So yeah, I, I 
definitely been in that position, both as a program manager and then as a CIO and dealing with, let's say, peers or or can't even be superiors. Yeah, um, true. But it can be up the line even. True. Um, I, I guess I, I, a couple of points here. I mean, one, it's a tough situation. So you're in because you're, you're not able you don't seem to be able to get, get on the same page for whatever reason. Certainly in a non-group setting. I mean, I one piece of advice is particularly when you're trying to build a team is I always say, you know, praise in public, criticize in private. And it, it, it's so true. You want to be very, very uh, careful of coming across critical of others in some kind of public forum. I mean, and even in private, you got to be, you got to be measured, delicate, but, right. but delicate, right. That's well stated. But sometimes you have to take it on. I mean, you've got to say, hey, I, I just, well, first, why is it you feel this way? Try to understand. Right? Right. Try to understand right. The, right. the viewpoints from their perspective. What am I missing? Right. A lot of times agendas are being played and those can become pretty difficult to deal with because irrespective of logic, they're not going to change. Um, <laughs> I like so, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, that's just the word. Well said. Um, but but, um, but try to understand their position sure. first. And, and, and then if you can state your position and, and see if you can come to any kind of mutual understanding, but, but you have to be realistic too. And as I said, I've kind of, as I've gotten older, I, maybe I've realized I spent too much time at times trying to do that because at some point you realize this person's never for, for whatever reason, as I said, there's usually an agenda for whatever reason, we're never going to see eye to eye on this. We're never going to get on the same page. They have some so, different aim, and it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah, right. Their their objective function is different than mine. And uh, now I might say mine's better or whatever, but that's a, obviously a that's a perhaps a <laughs> a selfish view in some ways, but but not not always. I mean, I well, if you're responsible for something too, you well, you, I mean, part of it is you know, it's I and like when I was in government, I was always like, like. I'm all about what's best for trying the agency, what's best for, you know, trying to make this place run better. Right. Like. And, right. and the, the problem is, is that, yeah, some people there that that was not their agenda. Right. <laughs> that clearly was not their primary purpose. So you, you got to, you got to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and you got to, once you understand it, you, you can at least try to work around it. If you, if you can't quote, get rid of them, yeah. so to speak, you can, at least, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say play games, but perhaps do something that will help aid them in what their objective function is while not hurting the overall team. Yeah. Um, yeah. They can be difficult, though, depending on the situation. Um, that's not always easy because a lot of times their objective function um, may be even, I hate to say it, but maybe that there's another part of the team they'd like to see not successful. And so that, that, that's where it gets very, very awkward. Yep. So I, I don't know if I have more general advice right now, but you, know, you get into specific situations where I've mentored people, where sometimes I've tried to help them navigate through some, some of these kinds of difficult situations. Well, so maybe there's some negotiation that would be effective. Maybe yes. not, maybe not, but maybe, and it should be tried. Yes, absolutely and, should be tried. And if it doesn't look like you can reach any agreement that way, which is basically by talking about our 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 our, our separate and maybe mutual interests, 
If that doesn't work, the option is narrow. In the, in the conflict resolution work that I was taught in graduate school, you can go from a an interest-based approach like that to more of a, a rights-based approach where you might call an authority, your authority. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, you're going to more of a power-based approach, which is which is in organizations is highly risky yes. <laughs> and consequential, costly. So the interest-based approaches are considered more lower, lower cost and have a, have a higher chance of a, a good rate of return, but they don't always work. And that's, they don't. And, that, and even the rights-based approach I have found many times does not work. Right. You might have the authority, but behind the scenes, that doesn't mean that authority is going to be honored. That's right. And, um, and I think you're naive if you think it will be at times when you're dealing with someone that truly is very much opposed to what you're trying to do. And sometimes, recognize, by the way, recognizing that is kind of important. It is. For your own, for your own good. It is. <laughs> I, I actually, you anticipated what I was thinking, which I guess what I was about to say was once you realize that, you have the chance to rethink things in your mind. Now, hold aside for a second what you do with your governance team or your project team. But in your mind, you can say, okay, if if we're going to take some body blows, what do I do as a project lead or as an executive? What do I do to salvage as much of, uh, if the, a project is a means to an end, right? It's a it's a, to support something, somebody. Yes. What do I do to preserve as much of that means to accomplish as much of the end as, as is possible? And maybe they settle for that victory. Because you might not get everything you'd hoped for at the outset when you had the when you had the charter and then in the launch, right? Well, you, now you brought up a really good point about sometimes. You, I mean, you, you you want back to the program example. You you, you want this trusted environment. You want to have these lofty goals that if you had the right team and you're all marching in lockstep, you could you could achieve. But then if you've got one or even sometimes multiple challenges with some of the stakeholders regarding their motivations and what they're looking for out of this that's when you gotta as you say reset some expectations i mean what what's the very given the situation and i can't just wish them away right. i just can't get rid of these people bewitched just what's the best what's the best we can expect yeah yeah and you know and now as you say there's a power play side where you can go up the line and you can have these kinds of discussions, but that's that can be very dangerous. Yes, it can. Because you, you know, once you start going up the line, I mean, where where are the who who are your bosses quote up the line aligned with? What what are their motivations? Exactly. This topic. So it's it's yeah. And there's too many unknowns, yeah. and you're probably just going to wish you hadn't. Right. <laughs> right. I will say this is a good place where having a inside mentor someone that's more senior yeah. in the organization that you have a very trusted relationship with can be very valuable to you because you know that person can help give you perspective perhaps help you give you know really understands the situation and some of the people involved can can really help Good you point. especially earlier in your career when you tend to let's have oh, less sure. experience with these kinds of topics sure and let me tell you, when you're in one of these situations, it's stressful. Oh, it can be very stressful. And if yes, you've never, exactly. if it's one of your <laughs> yes. one of your first yeah. couple encounters, you don't have perspective. It's easy to lose perspective. You don't have a lot of experience to give you perspective, and the mentor can help bring some of that. Yes. 
That concludes the first of two episodes Richard and I recorded. Join us next week when we discuss his second book, which he hopes to publish this year, on how to make government more effective and efficient. We'll compare and contrast skills needed for program management with IT management, plus touch on the loss of citizen trust in government and how to restore it. Thank you.